0: If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I want you to turn to the book of Ruth, chapter 1. I need to grab something from the pew here. The book of Ruth, chapter 1. Brother Scott tasked me with uh, with telling me that you guys are going through the entire Bible. Is that correct? Yeah? All right. So book by book, that's no small task on a Sunday morning when you're a guest speaker, right? You know, going through an entire book. But it's it's a pleasure to do that. Let me tell you real quick as you're turning to the book of Ruth this morning that we are so thankful for your cooperative program support. Because of your giving to the cooperative program, you are enabling ministries all across the state and including all across the world. Right here in Kentucky, you are helping with Sunrise Children's Services, Onita Bible Institute, Clear Creek Bible College, not to mention our backpack program and all of the consultants and all of the staff members that are going from here to there and everywhere to serve our local Baptist churches, so we appreciate that, and that's not to mention over three thousand uh, Southern Baptist missionaries that you all put on the field through cooperative program giving. So, as you turn to the book of Ruth this morning, as I, Brother Scott, told me, he said, "Now we're going through different books of the Bible, and what we're doing, we're kind of summarizing each book of the Bible. And what I would like for you to do, I'd like for you to take the book of Ruth, which I was honored to, because I love." The book of Ruth. To be honest with you, it's one of my favorite books in the Old Testament. I love it greatly. It's a powerful book because in the book of Ruth, if you really want a good song that goes to the book of Ruth, we just sung it, believe it or not, the Waymaker, that God is moving even when you don't think he's moving. That, that couldn't have been a better song to lead us in an introduction to the book of Ruth. Um, ironically, when I was a pastor in Owensboro, Kentucky, I planted a church with my wife in Owensboro, Kentucky and we were a mobile church we were moving kind of from here to there to everywhere We were in a school for a little bit then we were in a college and 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 all that fun stuff And we were we really thought we were moving up in the world because we had a little office space and the little office space is Kind of a it was a little front door uh, Deal we didn't have worship services there, but we kept you know supplies there and things like that And and we thought we were moving up because we were able to afford a bigger office space. Now, that's, that's really moving up, isn't it? When you, you can't afford an auditorium, but you can afford a bigger office space. And we found this, this different office space, and we were so excited about this office space that we found because we were going to be able to have Bible studies there. We were going to be able to, uh, to kind of be in the community, a bigger presence, and not quite a large auditorium. We were still meeting at the, at the community college then, but, uh, but, man, we were excited. And, I, and I'll never forget, I was preaching a sermon series through the book of Ruth. And, and, the, and the Sunday before it all went down, um, I preached the message that I preached, that I'm going to preach to you all this morning. Well, what went down? We were in the process of remodeling this, this, this space. And we were remodeling it. And, and I got a call on Wednesday morning from the Owensboro Fire Department. And the whole thing went up in flames. Burned everything that we had as a church plant, everything that we have burned up. Ironically, I was preaching about not being bitter from the book of Ruth the, the Sunday before, and you're talking about really having to put the, your money where your mouth is. So I really say all that to say, I hope your alls church don't burn down this week, you know? So I really hope that doesn't happen to you guys today. Um, but yet at the same time, what we saw, it was so crazy because we were taught, I was preaching the same message I'm about to preach to you this morning, that, that the Lord is with us, and when hard times come, there's, there's no need to, to result to bitterness because we've got to believe that God is doing something even bigger. Hey, anybody ever been hurt in this room today? All right, if you're not, you're lying through your teeth this morning because we've all experienced hurt and pain. Well, we have a choice to make when we go through hurt and hardship and pain. We can either choose to believe that God is doing something with that hurt hardship or pain or we can choose to be bitter we can be bitter about all that's happened to us and allow that to affect us moving forward or we can choose to believe that God is doing something in our midst so I want to ask you a question will when you go through hardship it's like the old preacher said you're either in a storm coming out of a storm or getting ready to go into a storm so Regardless of where you are today, let me ask you a question. Will you choose to be bitter, or will you choose to believe in God's sovereign plan? I want us to look at the book of Ruth. Let me tell you real quick about the book of Ruth. as we, as we well, Let's read the text first, then I'll get into that. Let's, let's stand to honor God's word if we can this morning. Ruth chapter 1. Let's start with verse 15 if we can. Ruth chapter 1, verse 15. And she said, "See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people, return after your sister-in-law." But Ruth said, not turn to leave you or to return following you. From where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more more also if anything but death Parts, from, parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said, no more. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? She said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has... Testified against me and the almighty has brought calamity upon me So naomi returned and ruth the moabite her daughter-in-law with her who returned from the country of moab But look at this part. It's so important. You may not think it's important But it's so important And they came to bethlehem At the beginning Of barley harvest Father we thank you for the word May you bless it today, and we thank you for Jesus who died and rose again. And we pray that you would move, Lord, in us in a great way today. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Thank you. You can have a seat. So Brother Scott said, preach. Tell us about the book of Ruth. Well, here you go. Here's the book of Ruth. It is written, the very first verse, of the book of Ruth tells us that it takes place in the time of the judges, one of the darkest, most depressing time in all of Israelite history. It was a bad, 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 bad spot. History would tell us that more than likely the prophet Samuel wrote the book of Ruth. And what we know about the book of Ruth is that it details a family, a particular family, there's a lady by the name of Naomi who's married to a man by the name of Elimelech. And don't you love those Old Testament names? Any Elimelechs in the house today, you know? Elimelech is married to Naomi and they take their two sons and who I'm not even going to try to pronounce their names. And they and they experience a famine. So it's it's a hard political time, hard time in Israel. And then a famine comes. It's like 2020 or something. You know, it's just like one thing after another. So Instead of staying in the promised land, and that was maybe the big kicker here, they should have really stayed in the promised land because that was where God wanted them to be. And by the way, when hard times come, when hard times come, don't run out of God's will. Amen? Don't give up on the Lord. Naomi and Elimelech, they, 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 they got out of town. Hard times, let's leave the promised land. And they did. They, they jetted out. And they went to Moab, not the promised land. There in Moab, the two boys marry Moabite women, which was a big no-no, by the way, in the Old Testament. Elimelech gets sick, he dies. The two boys that are married to Orpah and Ruth, Moabite women, Gentile women, die. We don't know what Maybe It was the famine that got them too. I mean, so Naomi, the matriarch of this family, is crushed. She's lost her husband. She's lost her two sons. She, she really believes that God is against her. Have you ever felt that way before? That God is against you. You may not shout amen to that one, but many of you all may have felt that before. And she felt that the Lord was against her. So she says, well, what am I doing to Moab? She says, none of this makes sense. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't matter anymore. I'm going back home. So she gets up and goes back to Bethlehem in the promised land where she was from. And as she goes to Bethlehem, the two daughter-in-laws start following her. And she says, don't do this. Everywhere I go, calamity touches me. This is bad. Don't even come near me. Just go back home. I can't even, uh, you know, you're not going to have any, you know, I'm not going to have any more children. You need to go get married, start your life over again. Orpah, in a nutshell, says, okay, see you later. She leaves. But Ruth does something different. She says, Naomi, I'm not leaving you. And maybe perhaps one of the greatest testimonies from the book of Ruth is what she says. She says, your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Now, how many of y'all ever heard that at a wedding, by the way? Totally not in context for a wedding. Did you know that? That's not really, it's not in context for a wedding, none whatsoever. She was making a declaration of faith. A profession of faith. That's what she was doing. And she was saying, you know what, Naomi? We've been through some hard times together. I'm going to trust not just in God, but I'm going to trust in God. Let's do this instead. That sound good? Can you all mute me back there? i mute this one. Boy, thank the Lord for different microphones, amen. I'll tell you, Satan has fought me so hard this morning. I'm telling you, I'm not kidding you. He has fought me so hard this morning. So I think somebody needs this today, amen. I think somebody needs this today. He has fought me so hard to get to this point today. So here's what happens. Naomi basically says, Ruth, go back home. And Ruth says, no, I'm going to make a declaration of faith. I'm going to, to let your God be my God. And if your God is the true God, then here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back to your land with you. Now, this is a big deal, right? This is a Gentile woman saying this. Now, what we know from the rest of the book of of Ruth is that there's this great story about a man named Boaz who comes along as a kinsman redeemer, and he ends up marrying Ruth, and, and a great family has started. It's a great tale of redemption. But at this point, Ruth and Naomi really don't know what's going on. When Ruth makes this declaration to Naomi, Naomi's kind of like, huh, who cares? And they just go back to Bethlehem. And, and even the people in Bethlehem see Naomi and they say, Naomi, what's wrong with you? What's happened? And Naomi says, don't even call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara, which means bitter. I don't even want to be called Naomi, which means pleasant, by the way. Call me bitter. How many of us today are choosing to be called bitter? when the Lord is wanting to call you pleasant today. I want us to see three things about those that choose to live in bitterness. Those that choose to live in the past with a past hurt, a past failure, a past mistake, and they choose to be bitter and never get over it, and never forgive, never move forward, never see what God has for them they choose to live their life in a state of bitterness. Number one, I want you to see that bitterness, bitterness affects the way that I see people. It affects the way that I see other people. Look back at verse 15. Naomi said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Follow your sister-in-law. Isn't that a great thing from a, from a person of Israel? Go worship other gods. Just go worship. That's how dark Naomi was at this time. Just go worship false gods. Who cares? But Ruth replied, Don't plead with me to abandon you or to return and not follow you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me and do so severely if anything but death separates me from you. And when Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go, she stopped talking to her. So much was lost in Moab. Husbands, children. It was death. So much was lost. And you see two totally different responses. Naomi, who who knows the law, who knows the God of the Old Testament, just forgets about God. And then here is Ruth, who is a Gentile, who has pagan gods in her life, and she goes to Naomi and she says, I want your God to be my God. I want your God to be my God. And what does Naomi do? Naomi just brushes her off. Look what it says in verse 18. She just stopped talking to her. Stop talking to her. Can, can bitterness affect the way that we see other people well absolutely now, there's no doubt that when we go through hardship that there's times of grieving there's times where we we cry on somebody we lean on somebody that we that we that we express our bitterness there's nothing or we express our pain there's nothing wrong with grieving Jesus himself wept right but here's the deal when you go through hardship and it hurts and it's painful and it's difficult God God will let you grieve in that moment. But here's the deal. He doesn't want you to stay there for the rest of your life. He wants you to move forward. And if you don't and you choose bitterness, here's what happens. You begin to take on a pair of sunglasses that you put on and everything you see looks tinted. Rose-colored glasses, or maybe in this case, dark-colored glasses. So everybody you meet is against you. Everybody you, you meet hates you. Everybody you meet is, is, is bad or the enemy. Why? Because you choose to be bitter. And this root of bitterness, like it talks about in the book of Hebrews, can strangle and kill and destroy. How many of us today are just being mean to people and hurtful to people because we have chose to live in bitterness, never to forgive Friends, I don't know about you, but I think it's time that we take those dark tinted glasses off of our faces. Amen? Well, how do you do that? Well, we can't do that on our own, but praise God that we have a Jesus who died and rose again that can give us new beginnings. And he can pick up the broken pieces and he can put them back together and we can begin to see people through not our bitterness, but through the eyes of God, that we see even the people that hurt us as people that are sinful, that are imperfect, and that who Jesus Himself had to die for. Amen. When we begin to let bitterness hurt us, we'll never, we'll see everybody is the enemy. We're always the victim. But yet if we see through the eyes of God, we will see people that need Jesus. And it makes all the difference. So, number one, bitterness affects the way that I see people. But number two, bitterness affects the way People see me. It affects the way people see me. Look at verse 19 of the text. The two of them traveled until they came to Bethlehem. That was Naomi's hometown. When they entered Bethlehem, the whole town was excited about their arrival. Now, pause right there. This is crazy. They've been going through a famine. They've been going through hard times, right? Israel itself had, right? And when Naomi comes back with Ruth, watch the response of the people? They're like, yes, this is great. Naomi's back, this is wonderful, this is great. And the local women exclaimed, but then when they saw them, look what happened. Wait a minute, can this be Naomi? They were excited, but when they saw her, they said, wait a minute, Naomi was the pleasant one. What's happened? See, Naomi returns to Bethlehem with Ruth. The entire town is excited about the revival. They've been gone for 10 years And then they were probably curious about this Moabite woman that's trailing along, but they saw a very different woman, not the pleasant woman, but this bitter woman. What had happened? Time and tragedy had taken a toll. Probably her personality had changed. Her appearance had probably changed 10 years, but also with the grief and the hardship. It was clear to see that she did not resemble her name. People respond to tragedy and hardship in very different ways, let me just tell you real quick, however you respond, however you grieve, I hope that you do so with your family and your church family. Amen? I hope you don't run away from your church family when you go through hardships. I hope you are connected in a life group where you have people praying for you and caring for you. I hope you do that. I hope when you go through difficulties that you turn to God, that you don't run away from God, that you turn to the Lord and you, you trust in God. But here's what I hope that you don't do. I hope that when you go through hurt and pain, that you don't hurt other people. You know, there's a tendency for hurt people to hurt people. Did you know that? I hope that when you go through pain, that you choose not to hurt other people. However you respond, I, choose, I, I, I don't want to be just a bitter person. Because bitterness affects the entire countenance of a person. It also affects your testimony. There's been many people that love Jesus and love God, but they went through hardship. Bitterness came on them. And now when people see them, they think, man, that person, they just won't let go of stuff. They're just full of rage. They're not nice. They're not nice to be around. They must be a bunch of Southern Baptists, you know. I mean, that's what they... I can say that because I work for the Kentucky Baptist Convention, by the way. I can say that. You know, like, what's the deal? Like, what's the deal? Like, why are they acting that way? See, bitterness, understand, grief is okay. Bitterness is choosing not to forgive, not to move forward, to be to live in your pain. That's what bitterness is. Understand that. Bitterness, when we go through that bitterness, listen, it will damage the testimony of Jesus on your life. Really? Really? Do you want to be known as that person at church that causes all the problems? Do you really want to be known as that? Do you really want to be known as the person that that splits a church wide open? Or do you really want to be known as the person who's just mean to their fellow Christians? Mean to them. Is that really how you want to go down in your legacy? Well, what causes other people to see you that way? You ready? Because you had a hurt, you had a pain, you had a problem, and you chose to live in that problem, never seek forgiveness of God, never to move forward and get healing. And now you are just a bitter person. I'm not telling you not to grieve, but I am telling you that when you grieve, like it says in 1 Thessalonians 4, you don't grieve like those without hope. Amen? We grieve differently. The person, when people see us, they ought to see Jesus in our lives, right? Right? Not pain, not ugliness, not mean-spirited stuff. They ought to see Jesus. But number three, bitterness affects the way. Now, listen, affects the way that I see people, how people see me. But I want you to see this third point. Bitterness affects the way that I see God, that I see the Lord. Now, look at verse 20 of chapter 1. Don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. Don't call me pleasant, call me bitter. That's what that means. For the Almighty, look what she says. Look at the declaration she says. For the Almighty has made me what? Very bitter. God did this to me. God did this to me. That's what she's saying. God did this to me. This was God's fault that this happened. I went away full, but the Lord brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi? Since the Lord has opposed me and the Almighty has afflicted me. So Naomi came back from the territory of Moab with her daughter-in-law and they arrived in Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley season. Naomi just can't see beyond what's happening right there. And what does she do? She decides to blame God for all of it. By the way, the Israelites were never supposed to leave the promised land. Did you know that? They were never supposed to do that. And her and Elimelech left the promised land because things got tough. You ever seen somebody just eject on church when it got tough? You ever seen that happen before? Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. I got a very great theological word for that. You ready? That's what we call dumb. Dumb. Why? Because, man, you don't want to be away from God's people when you're going through hardship. You need to be with God's people, not away from them. And then we think we just go to another church. They're perfect, and they never have problems either, so we'll just be just great and dandy. No. People are imperfect. We need each other. Amen? We don't just leave each other. We don't just hit the eject button when things get tough. We stick it out. Amen, Valley Creek? We stick it out. And we're with each other. We don't just hit the eject button. But yet she says that God dealt bitterly with her. She went back. She went away full, but came back empty. She says that God judged her. Maybe he had. I don't know. I don't know about that part. But nevertheless, she left the promised land. And now she chooses to be bitter. But, I, but now we've talked a lot about Naomi, but not a lot about Ruth, who the book is named after. Now here's what's crazy. When you read the rest of the story, this is a great story in Israelite culture. Um, if you had a husband that died, it was the responsibility of that husband, the dead husband's brother, to marry you. And to redeem you, and basically to make sure that children were passed on through in the dead husband's name. So Ruth, when they go back, this is a great story. Remember how I said because it was the beginning of barley harvest? Oh boy, that's a great statement. Because it's, I mean, you got to just read the rest of the book. Because what happens... At the beginning of barley harvest, they get there. They're so sad, depressed, but yet Ruth has made this great declaration that she's going to follow the God of Naomi. Naomi's just about to give up on everything, but yet here's what happens. It's a long story, but it's so cool. Ruth goes to a field to glean. What in the world's gleaning? Well, that's for those impoverished, and they don't have anything. When people are picking up the the wheat and they drop it back behind them, the, the impoverished can come and... Scoop some up so they can have it. It was God had, had had ordained that to happen in the Old Testament. And so she's gleaning in the field, and the, and the guy she's gleaning for just so happens to be a relative of dead Elimelech, maybe a younger cousin or a younger brother, I don't know. But something, great story. Oh Bo gets a looking for Ruth, you know what I mean? She's like, who's that fine-looking lady out in the field, you know? That's what happens. And, man, the rest is history. They kind of get married, and, man, everything changes. And it ends listen, this is so cool, it ends with Bo and Ruth having a baby, and they set the baby up on Naomi's knee. Because why? Because what you're going through right now, God can change that into something better for the future. Don't live in the right now. Live in the hope and the glory of Christ. Listen, this world is not our home. We've got a better home coming for us. This world's gonna be full of yuck and junk and problems forever. Forever. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that if you just follow God and and you went through some sort of devastating financial loss that God's just going to give you all kinds of money in the next couple of months. No, I'm not saying that stuff at all. You might lose more money. But here's what I'm telling you. With Christ and in Christ, this world may never get better, but there's another world coming where it gets better. So do we live in bitterness or do we have hope? Now listen, remember I told you how our offices burned? Remember that? It was one of the darkest times of my life. It really was. It, it threw me into panic attacks and depression. I had never experienced those two things before, panic attacks and depression. I had never experienced those things at all. And I went through thinking we had worked so hard to plant this church and, and just to get to this to this little office space that we had, and that just it was embarrassing, you know. I mean, here we are, this little struggling little church plant in Owensboro, Kentucky, and we light the neighborhood on fire, you know. I mean, it's great, you know. It's so depressing. But little did I know that that was part of God's plan for Life Community Church in Owensboro, Kentucky. Because that thing went up in flames, there was a church in town that was struggling They had about 40 people, which is fine for a smaller country church, but they had an auditorium that seated 500 people. And they could not maintain the facilities. They saw the fire on the news, and they reached out to us. It's a long story, but you're getting the nutshell. They said, you know what? You all have a future. We're going to give you our building. And they did. They gave us their building. I mean, like the whole property. Everything, from the parking lot to the pews to the gym. It was unbelievable. That never would have happened, and it kills me to say this, unless there was a fire. It never would have happened. But God had a bigger plan, amen. Let me tell you something real quick about the book of Ruth, and I'm done. But let me tell you something real quick. Why is this book important in the Bible? I'll tell you why. Because Ruth had a baby named Obed. And Obed had a baby named Jesse. And Jesse had a baby who we know as who? King Why is this book in the Bible? Because Ruth, listen, a Gentile woman was included in the lineage of David. But whoa, let's put the brakes on right. Let's not put the brakes on right there because we ain't done with the rest of the genealogy. Let me tell you how it goes in the book of Matthew. David... Fathered Solomon by Uriah's wife. Father Solomon fathered Rehoboam. Rehoboam followed, uh, fathered Abijah. Abijah f- uh, fathered Asa. Asa fathered Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat fathered Joram. Joram fathered Uzziah. Uzziah fathered Jotham. Jotham fathered Ahaz. Ahaz fathered Hezekiah. Hezekiah fathered Manasseh. Manasseh fathered Amon. Amon fathered Josiah. And jo- uh, Josiah fathered Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile, Jeconiah fathered Shittil, Shittil, the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel fathered Abud. I'm not speaking in tongues, by the way. All right? We're just going through the genealogy. Abud, father, Elikim. Elikim, fathered Azor. Azor, fathered Zadok. Zadok, fathered Achim. Achim, fathered Eliad, Eliad, fathered Elizar. Elizar, fathered Mathen. Mathen, fathered Jacob. And Jacob, fathered Joseph, the husband of Mary, who gave birth to Jesus Christ, who is called the Messiah. So you ready? When hardship comes, never, ever, 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 ever rule out that Jesus Christ will be glorified through your pain and suffering. Christ, who died on the cross and rose again to save us from our sins, it's all about Jesus. The book of Ruth is all about Jesus. Now, friend... You have two options. You can choose to be bitter about your life. Or you can choose that God makes all things work together for good to them that love him and are called according to his purpose. Have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior today? Your life will always be bitter unless you have Christ in your heart. I want to ask our praise team to come If you would, would you bow your head and close your eyes? And I don't know what staff needs to come forward or whatnot or how you all normally do it at Valley Creek, however you normally do it. But if you would, let's pray as our band begins to come for the closing song. Father, we thank you for Jesus. And, Lord, we pray today that we will not choose to be bitter in our lives, but instead, Lord, that we would choose to worship you and honor you Father, that we would choose, Lord, to to not live in the pain, but, God, look forward to the blessing, God, even if the blessing is not on earth but is in heaven. So we thank you for Christ. And, Lord, I pray for the person that doesn't know you today, that they would, Lord, give their heart to you and would be saved. So we thank you for Christ. It is in your name we pray.